The Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast features people from the real estate community sharing real stories about their struggles, pains, and even losses during their own real estate journey. We share these real experiences so you can learn from them and build a successful journey of your own. Now, here's your host, Cody Lewis, one of the managing partners at Vindu Capital, located in Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you all here. But let me tell you, I'm even more excited to have on our guest. She is the founder of Vive Funds, Miss Dina Jetty. Dina, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing great. I'm really excited to be here. It's been a long time coming. We've been trying to get this on the books. So yes, yes. For <laughs> those, we finally did. <laughs> I know for those playing along at home. So Vina and I actually tried to do this a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> we found out we are both parents of twins. So yes. that took up the whole hour talking about all the things that go into being parents of twins. And we almost did it again. I think we started just in the nick of time today, but no, thank you so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. So for those that maybe haven't heard your origin story, I would imagine most people know who you are in the community, but if not, would love to have you tell us a little bit about where you're from, how you got into real estate and where you find yourself in real estate these days. Yeah. So I am the founder of Vive Funds. Uh, we're large multifamily owner operators targeting class B assets. And I got my start actually at home. Um, my mom is a very successful real estate investor. So she invested in the Chicago area ever since I can remember. And both of my parents, they came here as immigrants, came with no money, built a real estate portfolio and Ultimately, both of them retired early from that portfolio. And so, and, and they always exposed us to the business. So they never shielded us from what they were doing. They never, she, my mom always took us to closings and exposed us a lot to the business. So I had that fundamental foundation, if you will. And then my background from an education perspective, I went to the University of Illinois at Chicago, graduated when I was 20 years old with my degree in finance, thought I was going to be like, oh, I'm going to go out and do something totally different. Mom and dad, I don't need to be part of the family company or anything like that. So I went out and I worked in corporate real estate, learned a lot from some of the best institutions in the world from the real estate perspective, and then ultimately ended up leaving corporate America to start my own company. And I left my last corporate gig back in 2012. So it's been a minute now. Yeah. Well, awesome. I love origin stories. I love that you came up in it. I love even more that your parents brought you along for the ride. I feel like nowadays, I was just talking on Angel Williams. She had a, a get together uh, not too long ago, and we were talking about that the idea of, you know, how do you bring your children up in this and, and what are those things? And I know it sounds like you had that. I look forward to bringing my kids along when they get a little bit older to and can hang out and do some of those things and, and do ride alongs and closings mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So that, that's yeah, awesome. Absolutely. As much as I would love to talk about your illustrious career and all those great <laughs> things that have happened to you, we brought you on today to talk a little bit about something different, which is some of the challenges, maybe even failures that you've had in your career. So wanted to see what kind of comes to mind talking about that and how you can maybe educate our audience on things to look out for, lessons learned from your experiences. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I feel like every time I do a deal, I learn something new or a better way I can be doing something. The most recent, like fail I've had or unsuccess, if you will, that I've had is, and our investors like don't even know about it because we were able to smooth it over 
in the sense that it didn't affect them or it didn't show externally, but internally, it was a really hard struggle for us. So I had recently switched payment processors on our distributions to investors. And we were trying to kind of get to more of an automated standpoint where we could send hundreds of distributions out, click of a button, quick, easy. And it was supposed to be really seamless. And I was very excited to bring it on board. Did not go exactly as planned pretty much at all. A few issues happen. So one, so we are absolutely laser focused on getting our investors or distributions by the end of the month. Every month we want consistency. We want to be known for that. And so it is crucial that we have this process in place. So the first month I used it on one asset just to kind of test the waters in it. It's a little rocky. I thought maybe there's some user error. I thought it'd be better the second month. So one of the challenges we had was it did not show up in investors' accounts based on like the name did not show up in their accounts with the actual name of the entity. It showed up as a different name because it's a third-party processor. So what I didn't realize was happening until after was they take all the funds, aggregate them into one parent account in the third-party company, and then they distribute it from there. So it all looks like it came from one account when it's not actually the same account. Caused a lot of confusion with our investors. Yes, they still got paid, but it caused issues. The other problem was they said it takes three to five days for the payment to go through. So I sent it on the 24th or 23rd of the month to give it more than three to five days. And I didn't realize they meant to say business days, not just days. So there were two days included in the weekend there. And it literally hit the account on the last day of the month. Oh, wow. And it's just like too close for comfort for me because if it hadn't have hit then, I wouldn't have an opportunity to go back and fix it. I would have had to, even if I had sent them manually, it would have hit the following day, which would have been the first of the month. So that was another challenge that we had there. So the second month, I was like, okay, you know, I figured out a little bit of this nuance. I figured out kind of how to change it. But these two things did not change. And then I was unable to send one share class of distributions. I don't know why the system was like, had some kind of tech issue, which they really went out of their way to work on and get it fixed upfront ahead of time. And I had already known the three to five day thing meant something a little different. And so I took until I sent the distribution on like the 20th or 21st. And in doing that, one share class just would not distribute. And we still don't know why actually today, but it certainly put me in a position to be able, well, because I had planned ahead, I was able to kind of flip the switch, make sure investors still got their distributions. So they got it by the end of the month, thankfully. And so as I say, investors don't know that all of this craziness happened, but they saw some kind of sloppiness, if you will, or right, you know, something that would isn't really in line with our brand. They saw the, the person behind the the face of Oz, right? In which we don't we don't want them to see exactly. all all the case. Exactly. I think this is a great point that this is one of the best things about passive investing though, because they don't see all the stuff that goes into the back end, all the probably sleepless nights, hours lost, like wanting to pull your hair out, looking at a screen going, why is this not working? Thinking about the nuances, all they have to do is sit back and wait for their check to come in. Come in, right. This is the glory of passive investing. 
yeah. for, for all those folks that don't want to be on the active side. There, there are sleepless nights. There are a lot of concerns, mm-hmm. not just the property <laughs> itself, but like dealing with investors and getting them their money is a whole different aspect than actually managing the asset itself. So I just think that's a great thing to to think about for those that are listening. You know, maybe you want to be on the active side, you're on the passive side now, or you're thinking about getting in the passive. This is what it truly means to be passive. You don't have to worry about all this, but yeah, you don't care where the payment processor is. And that's why actually I had to send out this entire share class, which of course happens to be my largest share class. I had to send it out manually like that day I had to clear my calendar so I could go in and send them out and actually I say clear my calendar but I really just spent like till midnight after my kids went to sleep I spent time doing this and processing it so it would get through in time let me ask you this was this the first kind of larger scale like software deployment type thing that you guys had done yeah from a financial perspective yes it's like the it was the most automated that we sure. had done and we thought it was going to be great to automate and scale i think one of the things i learned from it one of the challenges that i had that i wish i would have i wish i would have tested it a little bit more before implementing it one and then secondly i wish i would have taken the time to understand exactly how the investor experience was going to be because I thought I understood it and I clearly did not. And so for me, that's really important. And I wish I would have spent some time going back and looking at that because in trying to scale or in trying to automate or be more efficient, I actually was way less efficient than I've ever been. Sure. I'm wondering, and those are two really good points to think about, especially as they pertain to like the financial aspect. But as you look at some of the other technology stack in your portfolio, managing the the organization, whether it's investors or the assets themselves, when you're evaluating software in the future or hardware to help you automate or get to automation in those aspects, what are things that you want to ask that salesperson in the sales process that would maybe help you or, or get a little bit further down the road than where you were with this one and understanding the product better? Well, if it's something that will affect investors directly, such as a distribution to them, I would want to know the user experience from the my client's perspective, not my experience, their experience, because that's very, very important to me. So that's number one. Two, I probably would have asked them to actually show me like an actual use case instead of just talking in theoreticals of how it would and should work. And then I also think too, from an internal process standpoint, you want to make sure that it integrates with the current systems you have in place in a way that doesn't disrupt someone else's workflow. So as an example, we try to integrate like a project management software on like, you know, for deals we're underwriting, to-do lists, ongoing tasks, et cetera. And I'm very resistant to this kind of organization. Like, I hate it. But my admin is really good at this. And this is where she really shines. And in doing that, I was like, hey, maybe we can integrate an audit. There's a, I don't know if you know what like MixMax is, but it it's a tool. It's an email tool built on Gmail, which helps you like set reminders, schedules, stuff like that. And it, there's a lot of really nice use cases for it. And I saw the demo, really loved it and was like, hey, I'm, we should use this. But then when we tried to integrate it into our workflows, it actually caused a lot of friction in our workflow because of the way they're set up. So it's great for some businesses. It just didn't work for our existing processes. And rather than overhaul everything, we really want to find a product or a solution that fits into what we already have 
built and solves for a very specific set of problems. I think that's so important. I, I came from this software sales world prior to real estate. And one of the roles that I had, I was, I was the kind of the technical lead on the sales team. So I would do the demos. I would help with the integration or at least the, the initial part of it. And for me, thinking back and putting that hat back on, it's so crucial to understand your customer's workflow and making sure that your solution fits into that. And I take that same approach as we look at investors, like understanding what their investment strategy is Mm -hmm. for what they need and seeing if what we do works with that. I'm a firm believer that, and I I would imagine you are too, we're not the right fit for every investor. Not every investor needs to be working with a syndicator or even investing in multifamily. Agreed. You know, we need to understand as salespeople ourselves, does what we have fit into what they need? Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And I think, well, in this case, the irony of it is we ended up going back to manual systems because it really is the best. So we work, I don't know who you guys work with, but we work with Larry West, who does all of our tax strategy. He's a tax strategist, but he also has a bookkeeping arm of his business. So he handles all of our invoice processing, tax returns, and then he handles our distributions, which is really nice because what their team did is they went in, they set up all of the information for our investors and they get everything distributed so that it went off without a hitch. And so we kind of have reverted back to the old school. Sometimes the old school is the best way to do it. And I feel a lot more comfortable knowing that Larry is overseeing it and can say, hang on, there's an issue here because he's looking at our financials. He's planning our tax strategy around it. He already is very intimately familiar with our project. The importance of having a, a good partner, and that doesn't always mean people directly on your team. Yeah, you know, partner adjacent, like a good CPA and tax strategist, a great attorney, SEC attorney, all those things are part of your team, project management company. All these are part of your team and having them be on the same page and understand the vision for each business that you have owning these properties, but then your overall business is absolutely crucial. So absolutely. no, I, I think it's a, that's a great point. You know, I, I, you've given us a ton of stuff to think about and a gr- lot of great lessons today. I really, truly appreciate it. That's probably as good enough spot to wrap up today as any. I know I want to make sure for those that are out there listening, they maybe want to work with you. They want to invest with you. They want to learn from you. And I know you got a masterclass coming up too that's getting ready to come out. So for those that maybe do want to learn more about that and other things that you guys are doing, where can they find you at? Yeah. So you can find me at vifunds.com. I have an investor portal there. You can sign up for the portal. You can schedule a call directly with me through my portal. The masterclass is called the multifamily masterclass. It's just mfmasterclass.com. It's a little cheeky. That's by design. And when you go there, you can enroll. We launch it twice a year as of right now. So it's kind of more of like a mastermind slash evergreen setup. So there's 90 plus videos. It's six weeks. They're all pre-recorded, so you can watch them at your own pace. They're designed for busy professionals and busy parents. So you're not going to have like two-hour lectures. It'll be like in short, digestible videos. And then there's a once-a-week happy hour office hours that we do on Zoom. So it's all virtual. And yeah, that's that's mfmasterclass.com. Love it. And listen, from a parent who has twins like you, like thank you for the short dissected videos (laughs) because... 
at any moment, there could be a crisis in the household that you have to jump to. So I get it. Yes. Yeah. It's like designed when you go to daycare drop off, you can listen to a lesson. So it was very carefully thought of that way. The other instructors in the course alongside me also have young kids. So we had to kind of think about it from that perspective. And the two of the instructors, they have three girls under five. Oh, wow. Both are full-time physicians. Yeah, they're busy. And so they just did an awesome job of curating this content with me in a way that would be easy to understand, easy to digest. That's awesome. I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, Vina, thank you so much for being on with me today and and, and giving our audience some great things to think about and, and as they go on their career as well. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. It's so much fun. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. And thank everyone for listening at home. We'll see y'all next time. You've been listening to the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast with Cody Lewis. Be sure to subscribe today on your favorite podcasting platform so you can catch every episode of the Real Estate Unsuccess Stories podcast.